Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. We hear in our gospel this morning that we cannot worship and serve God and mammon, and we think, oh my, I would, I would never worship the God of mammon, the demonic God of mammon, what a horror, I'm a Christian, I love God, I serve and worship Him only, and then he goes on to say, um, to, you know, what that means, we're not like burning incense and bowing down to this uh, stone idol, you know, in our basement, He's saying, uh, don't worry. <laughs> don't, well, don't, uh, don't, be, don't get so preoccupied you know, with the anxieties of this life um, that, that you just give all of your attention and your heart and that's what you think about and that's what you worry about and that's what you're concerned about and you're just like pouring yourself into those things. He's calling that idolatry. Well, we all, <laughs> we all do that sometimes. Yeah, he's saying that's idolatry. That's the worship. And he's saying you can't do that and worship God. They don't, they're mutually exclusive. You can't do both at the same time. You're doing one or the other. That's how serious it is. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God. We all have problems. We have bills to pay. We all have difficulties in this life. But if we allow those difficulties to sort of overwhelm us and so preoccupy us that we forget about the kingdom of God and we're trying to, you know, patch holes in our pockets so we can hold the things that are slipping away from us. We've all experienced that, right? You're trying to, it's like trying to hold oil in your hands or something. It just runs out. There's a hole in the bucket. Dear Liza, dear Liza. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll never fix the hole in the bucket. So we got to go find God. we got to seek God. You have problems Stop trying to fix your problems. Go find Jesus. Find Jesus and he'll fix your problems. He knows you need things to eat and clothes to wear. We have all received, we have all received, all of us here, we've all received this gift of life that we have from God. I'm standing here speaking to you. You're sitting there listening to me. Sitting there with yourself, in yourself. Sitting there in this particular space, in this room, in this particular time in history on this day. In September of 2019. You're there. Here you are, here I am. A self, self-conscious. We're aware of ourselves. We're aware of our personal self. We have thoughts about our past. About our very present right here this morning. Thoughts are going through our mind right now. You're either paying attention to me or your mind is wandering. And now I just said that, so now you're paying attention to me. Hopefully. Maybe you're wondering about your future. Maybe you're thinking, what am I? What am I, this thing? I'm a thing that has self-consciousness, that thinks about myself, that's aware of myself. How early... In my existence, do I become aware of myself as a thing? 
an individual unique thing. What do I mean? I have this body. I see that. I experience that most directly. I have an interior life, a soul full of memories and thoughts and feelings and desires and maybe even now regrets. This thing that I am, this person, self-conscious, aware person, body and soul that I am, I am precious to God. Precious. He made me. Created me. Gave me this existence and this life. Where did I come from? Well, I just sprung up out of His love. What a thought. Not long ago, really not long ago, like a whisk in the relative to time, not long ago, you didn't exist. You weren't here. You didn't have being a body and a soul and self-consciousness. There just was no you. And here you are. Out of nothing, you came into being. A product of the love of the one who brought you into being. And here you are, so young, so new, and immediately aware of yourself. You are also aware, deep down inside, that you are of eternal value. A moment ago, you did not exist. And now you are of eternal value. So now what? Now what? That's our big question. Now what? What, what now? What will I do with this life I have received? This life which I am? As you came into existence, as you become aware of yourself as a self, as a person who didn't exist, now you are, what will you do with yourself? What shall you become? Where shall you go? The question, the very question that I pose, what will I now do with myself? What shall I be? This question is there within us. It exists, it comes to us. But then we become conscious of the question. Where did the question come from? Where did the question even come from that I'm concerned about what I'm going to do now that I exist? Where did that come from? So along with this realization, there is another realization. Along with the question about what shall I do with myself. That, that this question is not an ambivalent question. It's not just, you know, I don't know, chocolate, vanilla, it doesn't matter what I'll have today, chicken or fish, you know, doesn't matter what job I'm going to take. No, no, this question is not like that. There's something behind this question, some driving powerful force, some deep <coughs> hunger, some powerful, ineffable desire, overwhelming desire that we become something more than what we currently are. There is a pull upward. We know what I am right now is not enough. There is something better to become. And it lies just over the hill. Just around the bend. And I need that. And I want that. I must be that. And this is springing up within ourselves all at the same time that the question and the self-consciousness 
springs up within ourselves. The one who made me without me made me to become more than I am. But he will not bring me to the fullness of myself without my participation. He made me without me, but he will not perfect me without me. Soon we discover, though, that the fullness of being which we desire is not so easy to attain. We live in a context. There are other things about us. We live in a context. We live and move, and often it's not very nice. There are dangers all about and threats. There is actually opposition to this yearning, this quest within. And this joy of us becoming who and what we are is peppered with pain and struggle. Then we realize that this opposition is not only on the outside coming at us, but it's actually on the inside too. It is from within our very selves, strangely. How can this be? And yet this opposition from within seems like a stranger within, some alien force that has somehow attached itself or intertwined itself with ourselves. It is us, but it is not us. It is not what we want, but it seems to be a driving force within. And what seems like it should be a joyful journey to the light is now a fight. It's a fight and a struggle and it's exhausting. And it's easy to become discouraged. Especially because some enemy has infiltrated our very selves and is working from within. Pulling us away from the very thing we so deeply long for. We are in a conflict. A real conflict. A battle with very grave ramifications. It is painful and there is discomfort and stress. Well... We are consoled in this state of discomfort and pain. We are consoled with the offering of pleasures. Pleasures. We are offered things to help us alleviate our discomfort, to make us feel good. Of course, they only temporarily alleviate the pain and the discomfort from our struggle. And so... We are offered these things and we begin to desire them. And another desire, not the desire for the light on the hill, another desire is at work within us. A desire for pleasures. Another path, another way, pulling us in another direction. And these desires begin to pull upon us and even burn within us and sometimes control us. And that light up there on the hill is still calling us. Calling us while we have this pull in the other direction and we find ourselves twixt and between in both directions pulled in a place of great vulnerability but also a place of great power all at the same time. And we're back to the question, what will we do? Which way shall we turn? What Will we become? Will we be overwhelmed by the desires pulling us away from the light on the hill to the fullness of our very selves? 
which is our deepest natural longing. Now, what will we do? What do we do? From a purely rational point of view, this question is just stupid. <laughs> like if we were rational. You know, do you want the Delmonico juicy steak? Or, you know, the dog poop? Which one do you want to eat? It's just stupid. There is no question. There's no rational question about this. And yet we deliberate, right? We're in this place of deliberation about what we're going to do. It's insanity. We must fulfill this life we've been given. That's what, that's what drives us. That's, what, that's, that's our existence. It's everything for us. It's the only thing that makes any sense. It's the only option. Sometimes when you come to confession and uh, you might, or you come talk to me and you're like, uh, I really don't want to do what's right. Some, sometimes you express that. I, I don't know if I've ever done this to you, but sometimes I'll call your bluff. Because that's what it is. <laughs> you think I'm going to rescue you. I can't rescue you. You know? So sometimes you'll say that. Or we'll say that to God. We're bluffing. I can't rescue you from that. God can't rescue you from that. I had someone say that to me recently. Kind of say, I know I should do this. I know this is the way of life and hope and peace, but I really don't want to. And I think they were wanting me to kind of like rescue them. And I said, well, I guess you'll just die and go to hell then. There's not much I can do for you. And immediately I called their bluff. And they're like, oh dear, no, I don't want to do that. And all of a sudden, the will to do the right thing <laughs> sprung up out of nowhere. So we deliberate. It's not a rational deliberation. It's a deliberation between the intellect, the God-given intellect, the mind of Christ, we have been given, and some force of irrational desire at work in our members. And all of this, in all of this, not just this desire of our members and this light on the hill, there is another alien force seeking to pull us away from the light and destroy us. This other alien force is personal and filled with hatred and murder towards us. Yet we listen, we listen to the lies it tells us, and we deliberate. Sometimes we count them as our friends. What's happening is our mind is darkened, it's being darkened. We're losing sight that we're being overtaken by this irrational force which traps us in a meaningless existence. If we weren't being darkened, if we weren't going insane, becoming irrational, why would anyone in their right mind deliberate such a question? So, what are you going to do? That's the real question this morning. What are you going to do? You, no one else. You, what are you going to do? Are you going to become a human being? Are you going to turn yourself towards the light of your being and fulfill the deep hunger, the longing to become the fullness of what you were given to be in your creation? Do you believe in the love of the one who made you? Do you love yourself? 
Do you love yourself because God loves you? Do you value the life you've been given because He values you? Enough to make you in the first place and enough to become a man and die for you on that cross? Well, the battle here begins in the mind with your thoughts. The question is, what thoughts will you entertain? Oh, we're all assailed with thoughts, all of us. You're not special. Oh, you don't know, Father, what thoughts assail me. No, they assail us all. Nobody's special. You don't have a corner on being assailed with evil thoughts. We all have evil thoughts. What are you going to do? Are you going to rebuff them and turn away from them? Are you going to entertain them? There's some pleasure from entertaining these thoughts. We all know that. You're mad at somebody. You're angry. There's some sick pleasure from playing over in your mind what you would do to that person, what you would say to that person, some vengeance you would take out on that person. Envious and murderous thoughts. We derive pleasure from these things. It's an evil pleasure. Hatred, revenge, self-pity. We get a lot of pleasure from that one. There's some consolation in our self-pity and despair. So the battle's there in our minds. And the thoughts, if you entertain them habitually, they will eventually destroy you. They'll darken your mind. They shut out that light that's calling you upward. And you'll forget. You'll forget who you are and why you're here. You'll forget that deep hunger in yourself to become a human being. To be joined to God. Eventually you might even despair of it. So you have to choose. Decide what you are going to do. What will you love? You have been given a great treasure. Are you going to protect it? Preserve it? Nurture it? Nurse it along? Care for it? Along this journey to that light on the hill? To the fullness of your being? Because nobody else can decide this for you. No one. Not your mother, not your spouse, not your priest, not the angels in heaven. You decide. That's the power you've been given in your very being. That's the terrifying power God gave you when he made you. So you're going to walk in the spirit to the full humanity and the eternal joys that await you? Or are you going to entertain the demons and enticements to ignore virtue and faith and obedience, the noble things, to give in to the desires of the mind and of the flesh. As St. Paul tells us in our epistle this morning, those who do so will not inherit the kingdom of God. You must stop putting the decision off. In fact, no decision is a decision anyway. But stop waiting for somebody else to come rescue you. Nobody is coming. Nobody is coming. All the power for your deliverance lies right in your own heart. He's already come. He's already come. So we sit here today with ourselves, in ourselves, aware of ourselves, before the face of God who's given us life and who's given us the power to love Him, to become the fullness of what He's made us to be. Let's not be stupid, right? Let's take the deal. <laughs> Let's take the deal. Make the right decision. Say yes to him and say no to the flesh, the world, and the devil. 
Let's decide to turn our back on mammon. Worldly ambition, temporal things, demonic thoughts of anger, pride, self-pity, and despair. These things that assault us. Let's curse them together. We'll have a cursing party at coffee hour today after church. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll bring out all those imprecatory psalms and just give the devil a kick in the teeth. We'll hate them with perfect hatred. Otherwise, they'll kill you. They'll prevent you from the light on the hill. Let us seek first the kingdom of God. Let us find Jesus Christ. Draw near to Him. Call out to Him. Give ourselves to Him. He will take us to the heights of our very being. The alternative is darkness and suffering and pain and meaninglessness and just nothing good. Nothing good. So decide. Decide today and tomorrow and the next day where you're going, what you're going to be, what you're going to do with this self you've been given, the power you've been given. Love and seek and obey God. He's given you everything for life and godliness. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.